Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make your heart be light From now on our troubles will be out of sight Hello and welcome to the December 21st, 2010 podcast from Game & Player. I'm Michael Ubaldi, I'm here with Ed Kurtgesner and James Day. Make the Yuletide gay From now on our troubles will be miles away Hi Mike <laughs> Hi hey. Hi James Welcome to this festive edition Indeed, indeed <laughs> We need some more jingle with bells feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, My invisible Christmas should, tree is keeping we my sing, apartment warm Should we sing? He's up for singing uh, the show out with a Christmas carol. <laughs> we, we should do it, but uh, purposely sing out of tune, like yeah. Silent Night, Holy Night. So, oh God, <laughs> that was that was actually on a TV show I I recently saw. Oh, uh, what was it? It was a Warehouse Thirteen. It's a sci-fi show, and it was probably the best use of of that terrible song that I've <laughs> that I've ever seen. It, it was good because it was just intended to be pure camp. Uh, so. Uh, 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 Speaking of camp, uh, we're going to talk about uh, infiltrators <laughs> and thieves who steal into the night, and uh, Gawker. Hack. Gawker. Kiss oh. and told. Told your secrets, Ed. What the heck? Tuesday morning, I make it into the office, log into my uh, Yahoo account, and I must have had 50 different emails from every vendor I've ever dealt with in the last five years. So, you know, obviously my email address was in the hands of some bot somewhere, probably in a former Soviet Republic, and uh, <laughs> was just hammering away at every account that I had. So, you know, over the next three days, I just was in a frantic race to either change my linked accounts on all these vendors or alter my passwords or everything else. And it just got me thinking, you know, most of these uh, transactions or interactions I'm, I'm doing online, they, they, they don't matter much. I mean, if somebody had my email and my password for my Gawker account, Oh no, what are they going to do? They're going to, you know, it's trolling again. Up. Yeah, they're going to exactly. They're going to put up some <laughs> some trollish comment, you know, on one of Brian Crescente's uh posts which, you know, I probably would have agreed with anyways. But um, <laughs> you know, th that's really the worst that could happen. But then you start to think, okay, I've got an Amazon account that's got my email address and, you know, perhaps some variation of a password that could eventually be broken. I've got my PlayStation Network account. I've got my Xbox Live Marketplace account. I have all these accounts, which are also then linked to my credit card for the sake of convenience, which, you know, with the right information, someone could have a little digital shopping spree. And, you know, in this day and age, you're going to be able to correct that pretty easily with a call to your credit card company. But... Still, it's obnoxious, and it's nothing that anyone should have to deal with. It just sort of, it to me, it it uh, it, it it was a rather eye-opening experience. It, it reminded me exactly how interconnected all of these things are by trying to keep up a persistent online identity, which I have over the years. You know, I've anyone who knows me personally knows that there's a, a particular username that I love, and I use it in a lot of places 
Um, so with that, sort of ha- half the puzzle's already been unraveled for anybody who wanted to break into, you know, one of my my online store accounts. Well, essentially, somebody got their hands on your digital keychain. You're talking about interconnectedness. Essentially, you had this ring, and and, and every online identity or asset or investment that you have is is linked to that. Yeah. And like you're saying, it, it is kind of staggering over the years, and especially with the, the burgeoning of the internet as a transactional and uh, a relational medium, how many accounts you start to build. And mm. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the fear of this, let alone the actual instance of something like this, of a security breach, which leads a lot of people to be very, very careful of how they identify with with groups and which groups they're willing to give that connection to unless they have like cut out cut out names and cut out passwords i don't know if you guys do this but when i want to uh, or i'm forced to join something like a forum or or some other organization for information or some kind of benefit i will choose a a an unimportant uh username and a, uh, a password which has nothing to do with the important passwords that I use for my important accounts. Oh, definitely, definitely. You're right. I mean, I I'd, obviously the, the the accounts that I'm using for online banking, credit card management, health insurance, they don't key to any of these. Um, but, but still, you know what? Yeah, it, it's a it it's like a baggage train. It, it it can be navigated and it could be exploited. But right. you know, say if. If you've if you've added uh, just a couple of these accounts every year, well, since two thousand, which isn't uh, uh, a uh, an untoward date in terms of uh, the maturity of the internet, you've got twenty accounts scattered all over. Oh the, yeah, uh, and, and, and the just web. Google Google search yourself and be amazed at the number of returns you get, especially from old places you posted to five six years ago. I mean, yeah, we're All of us have quite a trail established online. I will say this experience probably and sadly makes it far less likely that I'm ever going to comment on blogs. You know, I wasn't going to mention that, but now that you do, sometimes you wonder, gosh, should we ask people for their email address? Even if we promise absolutely that we're not going to use it or use it to spam them, maybe they think, well, we trust your good intentions, but if Gawker got their, their butt handed to them, what says that you won't? Well, we, we also aren't going out of our way to uh, taunt and um, make fun of those who would uh, <laughs> very easily hack an email database. But, uh, you know, that's uh, Gonker's problem, obviously. <laughs> was it an actual challenge? Oh, clearly. Um, I can't remember who it was who uh, who made the... Uh, the, the claim of, of making the hack. I don't think it was 4chan per se, but it was somebody, some other group that was vaguely associated with 4chan. So all the usual players were involved. And, uh, you know, some somebody at, at uh, Gawker had the audacity to basically put up an open invitation to the members of Anon to, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, go ahead and hack the site. You know, we dare you to. And guess what they did? So... <laughs> Yeah. Well, never, yeah, pose that challenge to like the 4chan and the anonymous people because they will make a point of uh, trying to do it. 
Um, but I think this this Gork thing's um, pretty timely, and like I think you mentioned in uh, some somewhere, it, it is a wake up call. I mean, in the last week or so, uh, Visa actually got hacked um, as well, so that's even more uh, concerning when um, the company where you know people have invested their money in is you know can be hacked then you know it's what what's going to be next uh very concerning well speaking of uh staggering let's talk about the logistics for topping oblivion it was just this past week when bethesda softworks announced the release date for the sequel to oblivion elder scrolls 5 skyrim now, I had two reactions to it. The first was joy, because I love uh, the Elder Scrolls series, particularly Oblivion. That's really the the, the modern game that I played. And uh, uh, even though it's uh, going on five years old, <clears throat> it's an incredible game. And, and warts aside, it, it had its own flaws, uh, its own kinks with, with leveling and, and the environment. But as far as an adventure simulation where you were a single person traversing an environment that felt foot for foot the recreation of this medieval universe. It was, it was impressive. And I can only imagine that uh, with such a, an, an intellectual property at stake, Bethesda will take uh, uh, every measure to make it so much better. But the other reaction I had was incredulity, because I don't think there's a chance in hell that Bethesda is going to hit that date. And... Mm. Maybe being matter of fact, well, of course they won't. Companies tend not to, but uh, I don't know. Is this is this something that's more typical in the the gaming industry? Is it uh, more likely to happen with these giant flagships, where unless there's there's some kind of corporate deadline uh, due to a marketing concern, the developers will be tinkering with it, uh, and they might as well be tinkering with it uh, in perpetuity. Yeah, I mean, as much as we as gamers hate companies like Blizzard and Bungie with their it's done when it's done attitude, <laughs> at the same time, you can't help but respect those companies because they're not the ones being burned by deadline changes incessantly. Um, or I'm sorry, release date changes. Um, I mean, just think about in the last six to eight months, the number of A-list titles across the spectrum that uh, are being shifted, moved. Um, I just noticed that uh, Brink, once again, has been pushed back like three or four months. Bulletstorm has been moved around. Gears of War 3 has just been changed. And yeah, it just seems, at least I think that had been changed as well. Yeah, I can't think of any A-list title recently that hasn't just been Announced and set back, announced and set back. And that probably seems a little bit more likely given that all that we've gotten from Skyrim is a, a totally non-representational trailer. It's a cinematic. It has nothing to do with the game. I mean, obviously, they'll, they'll, they'll derive uh, graphics from it, but they're not talking about features. They're talking about theme. So... Mm. There's a, there's a heck of a lot more to go. And it's funny, in comparison with uh, Bungie's E3 2003 presentation of Halo that got everybody excited but was not even part of the game. 
I mean, some elements eventually found their way in, but uh, if you read some of the some of the uh, uh, memoirs of the developers, they worked double time from there because they only had like a tenth of a game at that point. So you wonder uh, what uh, what Bethesda has under the hood. I think now uh, Bethesda, since um, Oblivion, they were bought out by Zenimax. Uh, they're a big uh, media conglomerate from what I understand. So they're now in kind of like the Activision Blizzard uh, position where they've got so much money they can afford to uh, push back their games for as, as long as necessary to make them perfect as they can, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of strange considering the uh, pile of poo they release in terms of bugs and whatnot. Uh, what, what was the last Fallout game? Fallout New Vegas? Mm. Yeah. My gosh, I, I don't think I've, in recent memory, can remember an A-list game that's been plagued by so many bugs. I mean, people still enjoy the game and love playing it, but I'm just thinking uh, there's, a, there's a guy I game with regularly who... Did Anthony tell you some stories? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it, he can't even for a while, he wasn't able to be on Xbox live while playing this game because it would break the game. Mm. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's two worlds, uh, uh, level of. Exactly. Exactly. This is, this is South shod, peak. Uh, this is South peak, uh, you know, production quality, not Bethesda. <laughs> so yeah, that, 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 that does surprise me a little bit, but, um, yeah, I'm hope, hoping for a cleaner release with uh, the new Oblivion. And I also hope that they do indeed, you know, don't stick too tightly to a, a timeline if uh, it means that we're going to get a kind of subpar production as a result, because I loved Oblivion. And uh, as many problems as there were with the game, you know, consider the scope. It almost made sense you'd have some problems. And none of the problems that were there were game-breaking. They were obnoxious, but they weren't game-breaking. Some of these new problems in Fallout New Vegas, to me, they're downright game-breaking. Yeah, and mm. that's more a question of quality. With Bethesda, and like you say, with Oblivion, it would be on, on the scale of reinvention. It was Oblivion, if you recall, where Bethesda uh, was hoping to implement radiant AI. It was a kind of... Uh, uh, artificial intelligence that was purely uh, uh, autonomous. Now... I'm not sure if these are apocryphal, but there are a few articles here and there about how radiant AI went crazy and NPCs would kill each other and and <laughs> rove across the landscape, uh, <laughs> you know, like like uh, 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 like biological howls. Helga, the schizophrenic barmaid, yes. Yeah, and 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 it it uh, uh, didn't work out, so that was scaled down to uh, a, a kind of mobility where. NPCs had uh, had schedules and such, but you've got to think that Bethesda is still interested in that that level of that, that dimension of uh, uh, veracity with yeah. its with its environment. Um, and also, let me, let me clarify really quickly: uh, Fallout New Vegas was actually not developed by Bethesda, but still was published by Bethesda. So I guess Bethesda has some culpability. So yeah, no, and I I mean you you. Would definitely see the, the the difference in the the attention paid to it based on the level of value of the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as far as reinvention, say with films, maybe sometimes you you can save time by by removing sequences. I mean, it's linear. It's not this this interactive experience. It's not as if uh, some parts are necessarily dependent on others. A quick re- rewrite 
can change everything, whereas you can't necessarily do that with a game. I remember Peter Jackson, in one of his uh, director's commentaries, was bragging about how they used all these old-fashioned techniques in, uh, I think, not only solving the problem of the disparate sizes of the characters versus the actual and rather uh, equivalent sizes of the actors, but uh, dramatic things, you know, like he'd be, uh, he'd be like, uh, uh, you know, the, the one ring there on the, on the table, it's, it's actually the size of a donut. And, you know, you'd be like, that, that's great, Peter. And, and then he'd go on and say something else. There, there was an entire sequence, especially in the, the beginning of uh, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, where, where everything was apparently done through mirrors and these strange funhouse-shaped uh, environments that were meant to uh, uh, do, do the work that, in many cases nowadays, is done through great labor and expense by computers. And... You know, even though it's a time time honored technique, uh, uh, once you know how to do it, it's 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 easy to do. And I'd say that's not necessarily something you could do with a with a video game. True. I think in a yeah, in a way, there's just so many more parts to a to a game. Um, yeah, they're just so that come together over so many more years as well. I mean, the what the average cycle of a a, a big budget game is uh, three years in development, roughly normally. Um, films can normally be turned around in, I'll say Hollywood films that um, I'm thinking of mainly can be turned around in a year or so. Um, so yeah, yeah. And and then how many how many of those movies are trying to redefine cinema? Mm. Not many. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, the game industry is so it's still very young compared to film. The game industry is so much younger than, uh, say, that of film. So developers are still learning, you know, to use the technology, how to get the most out of uh, graphics and sound and all this kind of stuff. Whereas film, I mean, that recently we had like the digital revolution, which definitely changed the way films are edited and uh, how special effects are made. But, you know, a lot of that, um, the basics of shooting and things like that have been established in that medium for decades uh, compared right. to the games industry. So, Whereas in, in a you know, game development, sometimes it's an expectation that the, the developer is going to new, use a new engine. Yeah, and when the game comes out and it's very similar to its sequel, say uh, Uncharted 3, a lot of people um, saw the new trailer for Uncharted 3 that came out recently and complained it looked too much like Uncharted 2. Um, which yeah, looks awesome, you know, so yeah. <laughs> really what are they complaining about? Empire Strikes yeah. Back looks too much like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. No, one's, no one says that about films. Um, but yeah, there's this expectation because gaming is always seems to be moving a lot faster than film currently that yeah every new game has got to be innovative in some way to uh, justify its existence and for people to be interested in it what's funny is ironically or perhaps uh, demonstrably the one exception to that rule would be games based on films Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know that those are going to be coming out uh, day of and they're going to be yeah. uh, uh, steaming piles of you know what mm. uh, for the most part I know there have been a, uh, a, f- a few an intrepid few who are looking for uh, film based games or, or spin off uh, you know, tie in titles 
that are actually worth playing. How about games based on movies based on games? Huh? Oh my god! <laughs> whoa, whoa! Street hey. Fighter, the movie, the video game, for example. That, that, that would be the one that just came to mind for me. I don't know. Are there any others? <laughs> um, Maybe you could do it with Tron or something. Tron, yeah. It would yeah. have to be. It would have to be uh, uh, sci-fi oriented, or maybe not. Maybe that that would be the twist. It's the last thing you expect. Ooh. It's meta. Yes. <laughs> uh. Well, Ed, uh, you were you were singing. Uh, was it a Christmas carol? But you know, it is that time of year. <laughs> <laughs> there is normally a Doctor Who Christmas special every year. That, oh, that there is, is. That is there correct. Is. True and uh, it is uh, our duty as uh, this being uh, one week before the uh, the day of Yule, the best holiday of the year. It's yeah. our duty to wish you a Merry Christmas or a Happy Christmas, however you say it. We're going to talk a little about uh, video games and Christmas. Ed, do you play video games with your family? Actually, there's a fun story about this. I like to think that when I was three, I was personally responsible for bringing video games into my family because I was the one that found the wrapped Atari 2600 in 1982 under the couch. So I'm just saying, I I think this is one of my claims to fame. My sisters don't really give me the props I deserve for having discovered this box under the couch. Um, Yeah. And uh, that was sort of my initiation into the world of video games. I'd, I'd never even seen a video game prior to, you know, our, our getting our first Atari. How old were I, you? I, three. Uh, my games of choice at the time were Berserk and Combat. Um, Little River Raid, maybe? Never actually had Liv- River Raid until um, li- Liver Raid. Uh, never had a- <laughs> Not till you're yes. 21. Not until I'm 21 did I have Liver Raid. No, or uh, 18 here. Yeah. <laughs> no, River Raid, I actually uh, borrowed from one of my sister's uh, high school boyfriends when I was probably 10 or 11. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that game sort of passed me by in the early years. Um, and yeah, by the time I was in high school, I had become a PC gamer. So I kind of ignored consoles for a good half a decade, but yeah, no, uh, every, every Christmas when I was a kid, uh, I would sit on Santa's lap and he'd say, what would you like for Christmas? And I would say with my speech impediment at the time, I'd say, I want an Atari. And then Santa would go, well, well, let's see. And he would look at my parents. My parents would be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, and he'd say, well, we'll see what you get. And he'd teach <laughs> You know, try to try to exculpate himself from the fact that I would not be getting an Atari that year until uh, the year 1986. And uh, it's funny because it took my sister and I like 10 minutes to actually find it. It was just sitting right there on uh, on a chair and my father uh, uh, pointed to it. And uh, my sister and I became aware of a uh, Tandy 1000 EX in our family room and in our lives. And it, it was uh, that line of PCs that uh, Radio Shack had attempted uh, in uh, response, I think, to the PC Junior. And uh, we had an incredible time. That was, that was the first thing I'd ever had. My father even made this, uh, this auto-execute, this batch file um, that, that he had uh, uh, hard-coded into the, uh, uh, the MS-DOS, which had this message from Santa. It was really cool. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he even had Santa bad talk uh, Atari, calling it old Atari as opposed to this new computer. <laughs> um, it was great. And what he had done is he had selected uh, four 
for video games or, or for, for programs, applications, uh, one for each family member, plus this thing that uh, this application that came with the computer called the Fundamentals EX. It was uh, a really neat uh, <clears throat> um, multimedia, if you can use the term, back in 1986, uh, introduction to computing in the Tandy 1000 in general. And it just went piece by piece, step-by-step uh, uh, step on the processes of a computer and what you could do on the Tandy. It was a brilliant marketing. I Fundamentals or fun-dementals? <laughs> oh, huh? oh, it was. Especially Entertainment. It was wonderful because there was this little uh, avatar guy named John, and uh, uh, you can move him around, and you can also move him around in a maze at this at one point. And uh, it wasn't long after that uh, my sister and I realized that you could uh, uh, push him into the walls of the maze, and he would run into the wall, and he would fall down. So we did that for about 10 minutes, uh, abusing this poor little animation. But uh, uh, when we were done with that, we turned to the the, uh, the the applications, the programs that my father had gotten for us. For me, he got uh, Fraction Fever. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the, uh, oh, what, what are they called? A Spinnaker, the, uh, the educational game company way, way back in the, in the mid eighties when you were like in first grade. And if your, your, your public school was uh, well-funded, you'd have a Commodore 64. And after about like six hours, the game would load and you'd play it. And it was like, I went to an Apple school. Thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> with your monochrome colors. And the great thing about the Tandy 1000 is that in a year or in an age of CGA of four colors, it used what I think was called a, like a CGA artifact mode. And you got 16 colors, which is impressive. The Tandy 1000 <laughs> also had, it had a three channel, uh, voice system it had three 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 voices of a sine wave plus a white noise generator which allowed hello hello hello, hello. exactly there. no it was fantastic <laughs> and if you if you read my uh uh retro review on king's quest it took uh, uh excellent advantage of it because of course king's quest was the game that was intended for my sister and we're talking about one of the greatest games of that era being planted under the uh, under the Christmas tree. This wasn't just some forgettable, uh, uh, you know, piece of you know what. It was it, it enthralled my sister and I. Uh, my father gave my mother a typing tutor because uh, uh, typing is pretty much my mother's expertise in computers, and it falls off rather steeply from that point. And for himself, he got this game called Starflight, which I could talk about for hours on end, but will suffice by saying it encompassed through the most incredible data compression and, and fractal generation, a, a galaxy of 250 star systems and 800 planets, all of which you could explore right down to uh, uh, complete topography on planets. It was just incredible. It was, it was this, uh, uh, it was electronic arts, I think fifth contract, uh, back when electronic arts was probably 25 people. Right, and if you wanted to define a game that was ahead of its time, uh, I mean, I still remember that game. And how many floppies was it on? One, two, three? Two, just two. Yeah, but my gosh, the it's in terms of depth, yeah, I, I don't think anything touched it. Yeah, and and I think it, it has yet to be matched. I think at least in terms of the the relative scale, you know, right. no one who who plays it now would probably be able to understand the, the scope, but right. I mean, but, but in scope, I'd say that that game even dwarfed mass effect. 
Oh yeah. By oh, a long yeah. shot. I know, mean, it was, was it was all depicted through icons and such. So you had to. You, it's funny you had to imagine what was going on. But uh, for someone who can who thinks that they can put up with that, uh, I would I would recommend it. But the bottom line is that I could not have asked for a better introduction to gaming than than that morning and what we got. It was it was probably one of the most memorable Christmases I've ever had. Well, my uh, Christmas, earliest Christmas gaming memories, I um, don't think any of them quite top that, but um, I think my first couple of consoles I got were both at Christmas. Um, but I'm going to you know, show my age here as you know, a bit younger than you guys, but my first um, console I actually owned was a, the original Game Boy, um, which came out in 1989, but I'm not sure if that was the year I first got mine. Um, our first console as a family had not been a Christmas present, I don't think. Uh, my dad brought home a Super Nintendo with um, two, uh, two games that uh, sh- sort of shaped my whole life, basically. Um, <laughs> uh, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, and Super Mario World. Um, two absolute classics for the Super Nintendo. Um, but yeah, I didn't get my first console until Game Boy, which I got with two other classic games for that system. Uh, Tetris, of course, because that came bundled in with every Game Boy uh, at that time, and Super Mario Land. Um, I've got no uh, funny, charming, endearing stories about you know discovering the game box or whatever like uh, you guys have uh, <laughs> under the tree or whatever. Because, um, I, I don't know, I was a really good kid and didn't, you know ransack my parents house for for christmas presents uh you know when i was a kid but um i actually did I one time and uh <laughs> to to my eternal shame <laughs> i out now told my father that the game he had gotten was three and a half inch floppies and our computer only took five <laughs> and a quarter oh i did never that... i never looked for presents ever again <laughs> did he return it did he have time to return it? oh he did but <laughs> he was so mad <laughs> oh, and and, and um, now he he will not let me forget it. It's wonderful. Go on. But um, yeah, they, no funny, cool, awesome stories. Just that I uh, I still remember opening um, the Game Boy and the games. That is one of my earliest childhood memories. Really, um, I just remember finding the Game Boy first and being excited. And yeah, this is awesome. And then diving through the because what our parents do we get like an actual sack and they put all the to- you know the presents for us inside so we have a big you know sack of toys to open in the morning basically well when we were kids really and so i was going through this yeah they, i think they still do it as well um so yeah i dived into this rest of this sack desperately not caring about anything else but desperately looking for another <laughs> game boy shaped box uh and thankfully yeah super mario land was in there and uh yeah, it was a great Christmas. Yeah, definitely one of the most memorable ones. Um, I think a, a couple of years later as well, um, I also got a Sega Mega Drive, known as the Genesis in the States, with um, Sonic 2, which came with two controllers. So myself and my brother were, you know, over the moon with that uh, what, a couple of years later, which I guess was the early 90s at some point. Um, that's definitely the earliest uh, gaming memories I've I have. Um, uh, um, let's let's go fast forward to the to present. If you guys uh, 
have done with some of your best past memories. Uh, what are, what are you guys up to this year, this Christmas, involving gaming at all? Well, uh, I have a nephew who is uh, eight going on nine, I believe, and um, he is turning into quite the gamer. He is a DS addict, and uh, I'm actually probably, I'm going to disappoint him horribly, especially if he would just listen to this and know that I'm planning to not bring my DS home, but uh, I'm probably not going to bring my DS home with him because I would much rather play Wii games with him than uh, plan the DS. So I think we're going to uh, have a little new Super Mario Brothers slash Mario Kart tourney down in the playroom in the basement. So That's nice. Have you gotten any kind of uh, full family participation on those? You know, not so much those. Um, my mom almost broke her wrist playing Wii one day and um, <laughs> has not <laughs> we haven't gotten her to play much Wii since. However, um, my sisters, at least, and I love the Rock Band games. So uh, nice. my oldest sister, I think she got Rock Band one or two years ago. I can't remember now. Oh, wow. And uh, actually, I think it was last Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I helped my brother, brother-in-law set that up. And, uh, oh, yeah, it was a blast. But, uh, yeah, we're, no, no one in my family is a huge you know, electronic gamer. We're, we're big board gamers, really, um, when we get together. Uh, so Scrabble is always part of the equation. Um, but yeah, you know, no, no one is against video games. It amazes me that there are some party games that everyone still really gets into, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll be doing some, some sort of gaming with, uh, with my nephew. So very nice. Mine will probably be more low key when it comes to video games. Uh, one tradition that, uh, has sprung up over the last few years uh, because my parents live just across town. What we'll do is spend well the first maybe about eight hours of the day. You know, I'll go over there at about uh, nine ish. We'll open presents, have breakfast, maybe watch a movie or something. Especially if uh, a movie has been under the tree, um, relax, and then come over to my place for coffee and dessert and such, and uh, and. Christmas uh, that way, and what I have been doing, just because it's the interest, and, and it's fun, is occasionally uh, uh, exposing my parents to some of the uh, more casual games I have. I've shown them uh, Carcassonne, I think uh, we played Catan one year. Um, I, I imagine that there may be, uh, e- even if it's short, a, uh, a baseball match between my father and I. When I when I did get the uh, the baseball game that I reviewed earlier this year, uh, I, I definitely uh, found the, uh, the the soft spot that the crossover that uh, that my father enjoys, and uh, I also have a present for him uh, related to a a game that I introduced to him, uh, uh, which uh, he plays every now and then when he's not uh, busy with work, and that would be World of Warcraft. Uh, it is kind of interesting to see uh, that. Uh, uh, my father, you know, the ultimate casual player, has no interest in raiding any of those competitive uh, aspects of the game. Just likes to level, just likes to play here and there. Um, <laughs> it's funny in an MMO RPG, he he could take or leave the other people playing. Doesn't care about him. Just just likes roving the countryside uh, for an hour here, hour there. And uh, I uh, will uh, will add another uh, uh, ten levels to his adventure. Oh, lovely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually that that raises an interesting point. I I could see my dad getting into uh, into WoW. Um, he would need to do a lot of things first, like get a new computer and get a uh, a DSL connection at the very least. But um, yeah, I'm just remembering back in the day. Uh, what was the? I think it was the original X-wing. Uh, I'd often walk into the den and see him tinkering with it and all that he liked though he didn't like the combat missions he liked the training ex- exercises which is basically a slalom course you'd have to fly uh, um, I remember that yeah he he loved that so you know he, he would play that for you know a good hour or two uh, but yeah I, I, the, I, I can see a lot of the casual aspects of wow appealing to to my dad as well um, yeah just sadly technology keeps Keeps them away from it. So, does you still got that 486 in the house? Oh no, they've they've since upgraded. They have <laughs> a a semi new computer which actually just completely crapped the bed on them. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, it's more that they only have dial up. That would uh, be gotcha. the big uh, yeah. Plus, I think also the uh, requirement of anything that required an annual or, or a, a monthly upkeep. A subscription, yeah. Uh, he would not be a fan of, but no, that does make sense. Maybe Lord of the Rings Online is more his thing then. I was uh, just thinking that. that that is free to play. As is, yeah, D and D Online is, yeah. That's what, what what is that that company? I can't remember now. Uh, that makes all those turbine, turbine. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Well, as for myself, uh, this Christmas I will probably be playing a couple of games with my um, siblings on Christmas Day. Sadly, the, the Wii has not been like this uh, this big, you know, thing that brings families together like it has for many thousands or millions of people. Um, my dad doesn't really play many games anymore, even though he introduced uh, gaming to our house back with the Super Nintendo. Um, in fact, last year I tried to kind of bring him back in him back into the fold. Uh, I bought brought out um if you guys remember this from the gamecube days the um zelda game four swords where it was basically the first um multiplayer legend of zelda game and i thought well this one is uh very similar to link to the past uh you should be able to get into this but um he, he, we got me and two of my sisters and him around a an old i think we, we kept the wii because it plays gamecube games but uh sat around with our our Game Boy Advance controllers, because that's how you had to play that game, because you had your own screen. And uh, yeah, he was a bit uh, overwhelmed by it, uh, sadly, even though he was the one who uh, introduced us to the very similar Link to the Past back in the early 90s. Um, But yeah, this Christmas will probably be um, myself, my sister, playing um, the new Donkey Kong Country uh, game for the Wii. if it's anything anything like or near as good as uh, last year's Smash, uh, not Smash Brothers, Mario New Super Mario Bros. Wii, it will be uh, a, a whole lot of fun. So that's probably my main plan. Um, but yeah, every year I try to kind of get the whole family involved because uh, back in the day we, I mean, one year I think this was another Christmas thing worth noting. Actually, uh, we we got a Nintendo 64. Um, and we made sure to get like four controllers so we could all play Mario Kart 64. So we definitely had a history of playing games like uh, my two sisters, my brother and myself. But that's kind of drifted off in the last few years. So this year 
I'll try and uh, lure them all back to playing some games with me, but we'll have to see how that goes. Um, yeah, as for other family members, those, none of them are really uh, technically savvy at all. Like my mum barely can operate a, a computer, let alone, you know, games. She doesn't understand games. So, yeah, it's kind of like oh, it, <laughs> I'm sort of fighting a losing battle, it seems, just to uh, try and get... Uh, everyone in the house to, together to play games. I mean, we we don't even do like the traditional, you know, Christmas games, um, no Monopoly and things like that. Um, so yeah, it takes us, takes yeah. a certain kind of family. I think everybody has to have that, that gaming bug to want to do it. Yeah. But I think if you're, if you're all in the house, if you're all together, that's probably what's uh, the so most important. Will be near to us once more. From all of us at Game and Player, Merry Christmas. Through the years we all will be together. If the fates allow, hang a shining star upon the highest bow. Oh.